Dan? Hello? Hey, Dan? You there? Hey, Doug, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can, I can. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties on my end here. No problem. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? How you been? Everything going going well? in there. Good, good. So we're, right. we're going to have some interesting uh, you know, times with the new president, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to get your uh, take on the whole, you know, foreign policy staffing decision. Yeah, and, hey, we're, we're recording. Yeah, offline. We'll do that. Okay. Um, so I, I, sc I scrolled your article. I, I read it with great interest. Tell me um, what, what exactly prompted you to write this? Well, I'm, always, I'm interested in history, and it was very interesting to see how uh, Xi Jinping is presenting you know, China's uh, role in the Korean War. I've actually visited the War Museum in Dandong, which is right on the border across from Sinuju, across the Yalu. Very much a Maoist presentation. And his his discussion was very much in that mode. I mean, not much of a reform emphasis, but much more ideological, critical of the U.S. and complementary to North Korea. Yeah, I... I... I don't know. I mean, the Sino-North Korean Mutual, you know, Friendship Treaty, that's up for renewal, you're right, um, this year, I believe, or maybe early next, next year. Right, it's up early next year. Right. Is this a standard kind of renewal, or do, do you think she would tack on certain conditions, in your opinion, or um, how, do you, how do you see that developing? Well, his remarks would suggest that it'll be a, a fairly straight renewal. Now, the question is what he says in private. I don't think he wants trouble, and he may very well urge against missile tests, for example, to provoke uh, an incoming Biden administration. But the the language he used in terms of North Korea suggests that they're going to renew. Well, in the past, there was some question whether they'd want to do so. I think there's there's some widespread doubt that the Chinese would actually intervene with military force in the event that there there was a violent contingency on the Korean Peninsula. I think it's very unlikely, but it's kind of like our treaties. It doesn't require, I mean, our treaties all have, you know, parties will consult in the events of an emergency and act in con accordance with their constitutional procedures. So in theory, the U.S. wouldn't have to you know, you know, help uh, South Korea if it was invaded. It's just very hard to avoid that commitment. I think the, the Chinese are easier. They don't have troops in North Korea, so it'd be much easier for them to say we're out of this. Now, uh, stepping out on a broader picture here, there, there's been some um, suggestions, particularly incoming Biden administration, um, leaning on the Chinese to sort of crack down on the North Korean economy through, you know, additional sanctions enforcement. Personally speaking, I think that's a, that's a long shot, particularly in this current situation where we have the U.S. North uh, U.S. Chinese quote unquote Cold War brewing in the background. Right. Um, I, I wanted to get your take. Do you think the Chinese would, would essentially use the North Korean issue as a card in their wider competition with um, with the United States? Yes, though, I'd, I'd flip it in a slightly different way. I'd say they're not going to be helpful because they don't want, among other things, to push towards a uh, reunification that would be a United Korea allied with America with U.S. troops there. They like having a North Korea that causes the U.S. and South Korea trouble. So it's not so much using it against us as just simply letting it exist and cause trouble. Why do they want to be helpful for the U.S. given the current state of relations? I think it's very unlikely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if, if there's if there's a, a reversion back to the 
maximum pressure campaign strategy that we've that we've been seeing really over the last four years, not was notwithstanding uh, the bromance between Trump or Kim, if you you know to use a to a, a worse phrase than that. Um, I agree. I don't think the Chinese are very interested in sanctions enforcement at the, at the at this moment. They they want above all they want stability on their border. Exactly. They clearly um, have lightened up, and it's almost certain they've been giving some food and energy aid. You look at prices in North Korea, for example, of some of these commodities. They haven't risen dramatically, and and they do allow the prices to basically to be kind of a market price. So the evidence would suggest that you know she has decided to. She they didn't want to get cut out when uh, Trump was meeting with. Uh, you know, Kim. So, you know, she came in, had four summits. This suggests they're continuing that relationship. Now, looking forward with this new um, administration, do you, do you see Biden's North Korea policy um, largely continuing on the same traje- trajectory, or or do you see some some evolution in, in the way we think about this problem? Been, you know, the Biden has said that he'd be willing to meet, but only with uh, conditions. You know, Blinken has been, you know, who apparently will be our secretary of state, has been critical of Trump. So I think it'll be a tougher policy. It'll be hard to go back to not doing anything as they did under Obama. But uh, I think that we're not going to see nearly as a kind of a closer relationship with Kim. By the way, we're down to 26 seconds. <laughs> I think just to wrap this up, Doug, I think you and I are, are 100 percent on the, on, the, on the right page as far as short term. We got to stop thinking about denuclearization. We just we need to start uh, normalizing our relationship. Yeah, normalize relationship and play it for uh, disarmament. That is, look for arms control. You know, limited limited deals and hope for the best. Good Thank talk- you, Doug. Good talking with you, Dan. Likewise. Talk to you soon.